0: Hello everyone, my name is Joshua Gilliland, attorney blogger on The Legal Geeks. With me today is a special guest for an exclusive podcast with Dr. Gianna Scarlett from Superhero Therapy. How are you today, doctor?
1: I'm doing well, thank you so much for having me.
0: It's a pleasure to actually be talking to you. We've interacted on Twitter before, but it's nice to go like, oh, that's what she sounds like.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it's really nice to talk to you as well.
0: Tell everyone about yourself, because you were a rock star this year at San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> you were like on a panel every day and doing an interviews, <laughs> you, you know, autographing babies. Just just tell everyone.
1: <laughs> I'm not quite up to autographing babies yet. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. Um, so I'm a psychologist and a scientist, and I do something called superhero therapy, where I incorporate characters from pop culture, from comic books, movies, TV shows, etc. into therapy to help my patients overcome PTSD, anxiety, and depression and become the very best versions of themselves.
0: You also do a lot of work with uh, the Department of Veterans or at least one of the, the VAs, don't you?
1: Yes. So um, for many years, I was working at Camp Pendleton with active duty Marines. And currently, I'm working at the VA. I'm um, working with a group of veterans with PTSD. And we're able to incorporate some superheroes to help them out as well in their recovery.
0: Thank you so much for helping those who have served. That's a very noble thing for those who have come home. And I had a cousin who had five tours in Vietnam. And that... Mm-hmm. Haunted him uh, for you know throughout his life. So thank you for for helping those who are serving currently.
1: Thank you, thank you. It's my pleasure. Honestly, it's such an honor to be working with these incredible men and women who are just so heroic and so amazing and um, struggle a lot uh, having having returned home. And it just breaks my heart how often they judge themselves for struggling with mental health, which is completely understandable given what they're going through, which is what kind of started superhero therapy in the first place, being these heroic individuals, um, who didn't think they were heroes because they were struggling and then being able to point out, Hey, that man has struggled too. So did Superman. So did that girl, all of these incredible superheroes that they look up to also struggle but yet it doesn't make them any less of a superhero well that and
0: the military has gotten a lot better you know especially in the last couple of years because there was a uh, disincentive to seek help because it would mm-hmm. go into their medical files and affect security clearances and uh, you know be a, a detriment to their career and uh, you know that's changed uh,
1: mm-hmm. from,
0: from what I've been told by my friends in the military so it. it
1: it has. It has. Um, I think a, uh, in a lot of places now, it's um, more acceptable to seek help for a mental health issue. And um, more COs, commanding officers are encouraging their, um, their enlisted to seek help if they, if they require help. Um, I think there is still stigma about mental health, not only in the military, but just across the country, but I, I see it reducing, which is really inspiring.
0: It's a good thing. So with, with those who have served, are, are there heroes that they gravitate towards more than, say, some others?
1: More than anything, I see Batman, Superman, and the Hulk. Um, I like bringing in Batgirl, for, especially for people that have become disabled as a result of a trauma. Uh, just because of what happened to that girl, and uh, after Joker shot her, but for the most part, uh, they really like Superman and Batman the most. So, a line I hear a lot from service members is, "I wanted to be Superman. I failed." And unfortunately, where it comes from is them believing that they could do everything and that nothing will ever get to them. And that to be like Superman means that nothing can ever get to them. They're invulnerable. And this is where I like to use a little bit of my knowledge and point out that, wait a minute, Superman had a vulnerability too. And him being vulnerable to Kryptonite does not make him any less of a superhero. And just like them being vulnerable to, to certain traumas that they've experienced does not make them any less of a superhero either.
0: Well, that and Superman's greatest enemy has generally been himself, and yes. be it doubt or whatever affecting him. Uh, I mean, he granted uh, it is interesting that they picked two of the most iconic superheroes ever.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: the Hulk is interesting. I did not expect you to say the Hulk, but it does make sense. What's what's some of the discussion about Banner?
1: So a lot of people say that they are relating to the Hulk, especially after having returned from their tours, uh, for example, in Afghanistan, uh, because they report a lot of anger. They report going from zero to 60 very quickly. So there are many things that irritate them and make them very, very angry. And they say they almost Hulk out and uh, struggle controlling their anger and aggression which after everything they've been through, again, is not surprising. And we're able to look at both sides of the Hulk, both not only the Hulk himself, but also Bruce Banner and, and what, what Banner is struggling with himself and, and how he's able to maintain his peaceful personality and and, and sort of what happens when he hulks and when he returns. And we're able to incorporate that into therapy as well, which is really neat, actually.
0: Have you had anyone talk about an unexpected character, say like the swamp thing, or, you know, just one that you wouldn't expect?
1: Um, I haven't uh, had anyone talk about the swamp thing. I've had some people talk about The Walking Dead, for example, uh, which is something that um, I've written about. And so uh, if, if you guys have heard, there's a book that just recently came out that I was Extremely honored to contribute a chapter to. It's called Walking Dead Psychology. Travis Langley is the editor. Um, and I was able to talk about PTSD as it's portrayed in the TV show and the comics. So that gets brought up sometimes too.
0: And we should mention you are quite prolific because you contribute to Legion of Leia, the Mary Sue, your own blog the walking dead psychology, star Wars psychology. And <laughs> is there anything else in your resume that, that
1: can see? Well, game of Thrones psychology is coming out next spring and I've contributed a chapter to that as well. And then there are a few projects that I'm not allowed to talk about yet. And then the one that I am, that I'm really, really excited about is my own book. Superhero therapy is coming out next July.
0: Fantastic. That's one world <laughs> I haven't crossed into with publishing a book. So
1: <laughs> Thank you. I hope you do. It's
0: that or a law review, I'd, I'd be happy with either. But until then, <laughs> until then, you'll continue to see me blog and podcast. So Fantastic. Yes. Well, let's talk about uh, a movie that so many people love that, that came out last year. So we're at the one-year anniversary <laughs> of it, and that's Guardians of the Galaxy love that movie. It's I think I saw it 3 maybe 4 times in the theater. Yeah, I'm wow. wearing my Grooting t-shirt because <laughs> that's great. Because who doesn't feel like Grooting every now and then? It's it's the victory dance. It's I wanted to talk. We are it's it's so when you think about the emotional core of the movie was a talking raccoon and a tree and people <laughs> walked out crying. It's like well done. <laughs> Well done James Gunn. That's that's super impressive. Yep. yep. It was the movie I was worried about. I thought it'd be a, f- you know, concerned it would be a flop until the first really? movie. I was scared cuz the Guardians in you know, like the original comic which took place in, you know, in the year 3000, it's uh-huh. it's like I don't know if that'll be translatable. And I remember one of the sp- mm. one of the runs from the late 80s early 90s that again took place a thousand years in the future It's like okay. This I don't know if that would play well, but the way that they did it was brilliant. Now I'm a huge fan of some of the older cosmic stories that Marvel did. Mm-hmm. The original Captain Marvel uh, or Marvel that I still <laughs> think we'll see uh, maybe on Agents of Shield or. I don't know, Netflix, because they should establish him and kill him off prior to the Captain Marvel movie, so that way we have Carol, to uh, Adam Warlock. You know, there were a bunch of great cosmic stories that they did, and the first graphic novel being the death of Captain Marvel, uh, which was truly a good read with a character who was dying of cancer. Right. Right. But let's talk about Guardians because you're a psychologist, you work with folks with PTSD, and this film might have the most emotionally damaged characters <laughs> ever, and it's a feel-good
1: movie. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. Um, I actually got to see the, the writer of this movie, Nicole Perlman, at Uh, comic-con last year and she she was talking about the process of writing this and it was really really inspiring to hear her talking about this and she did a wonderful job of putting together a backstory for each of the characters making them relatable showing their struggles because let's face it every single person in the universe has some kind of a struggle that they've dealt with in their lifetime. And showing their motivation, their intention, what are they trying to accomplish? And as you said, despite all of that struggle, making it a feel good movie, making it hopeful and light and exciting and uh, having audiences laugh. And I think it's something that many of us need these days so much, you know, in these, um, when we're getting so many messages of hopelessness, of doom. And I I think it's really nice to get a bit of a message of hope like we got from this movie. It
0: it is impressive because it opens with, I think it's the fastest on-screen death of a mom ever. I Mm. I, I timed it. It was 10 seconds faster than Finding Nemo. And that was implied. This is an actual on-screen death and seeing the reaction. And then within five minutes, the kid's kidnapped. Like, that's... When you break it down, that grandfather had probably the worst day of his life going from yeah. death of his daughter to grandson being kidnapped yeah. and having no resolution of what happened to his grandson. Yeah. That's pretty intense. And then we go to dancing through a really scary place, listening to you know classic rock. It's, <laughs> it's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. For our listeners, let's break down the losses that, that, and I want to get your thoughts on like the healing process with these. So we have at least three characters with loss of parents Quill, Gamora, and Nebula. We have Abuse, which is Quill, Gamora, Nebula, and Rocket. We have Torture, which again would be Quill, Gamora, Nebula, and Rocket. We have medical experiments against the wills of those who are afflicted with mm-hmm. Rocket, Gamora, and Nebula. We have kidnapping with Quill. And with a Gamora and Nebula being adopted by Thanos after he murders their families, that's right. abduction. A little different than kidnapping, but it's, it's abduction. And, like, those are all horrible things.
1: Right. Right. And to start out that way, that's, most of them were pretty little when they were exposed to all of this. And on the one hand, kids can be very, very resilient and exposure to trauma at an early age can be can lead someone to one of two routes. I either um, either somebody can take a road of uh, recovery where perhaps they can grow from their experience and learn learn from their pain and actually become stronger and better, which is what we're seeing here. We're seeing what's called post-traumatic growth. Or somebody can become so overwhelmed by their trauma that they're forever haunted by it. And I think the power of this movie is that it shows that even if we underwent these horrible circumstances, we can still grow and develop and, and become heroic from them and actually become the guardians of the galaxy, actually protect other people and save lives and do what's right. So post-traumatic growth is the opposite of a disorder called post-traumatic stress disorder. So post-traumatic stress disorder is what happens, what might happen to some individuals, about 20% of individuals exposed to trauma might develop it. So this is after an exposure to trauma, people might develop intrusive symptoms like flashbacks, nightmares, they might become irritable, they might be hypervigilant, so they might get easily startled, and they might avoid socialization, or any kind of reminders of the traumatic event. And this might be very dysfunctional, leading them to not do well socially with their family members in their workplace, et cetera. Post-traumatic growth is the opposite of that. Post-traumatic growth is finding meaning from someone's traumatic events. Um, So it's maybe um, kind of like Batman um, after a traumatic loss, deciding that he was going to take matters into his own hands and protect other people. So for Quill and for Gamora and for for Nebula, that came a little bit later. I think Gamora is probably the first to develop this that we're kind of seeing. She um, is secretly working against her captor, against her abductor, and is trying very hard to Protect her people and and to stand up for what's right and and actually go against the wishes and and steal the orb to prevent other people from dying uh, and then we see her essentially influencing other people to join her heroic quest without even maybe meaning to do so. So Quill ends up joining her along with with Rocket and Groot and they form this awesome heroic team, which is kind of unlikely to be working together, but they do an awesome job.
0: Well, that and the initial motivation is profit in order to go wow four billion units split yeah and then drax comes along too motivated purely by revenge right Uh, but understandably so uh so he he is very single-minded in that that category Uh your discussion is amazing let's let's break it down from characters that stand out from that besides gamora uh, because she is the nucleus of of the positive direction, at least initially.
1: Right. Um, so, you want to start with Gamora?
0: Yeah let's let's go there.
1: Sure. So, um, her and Nebula, when they were little, their parents were killed, and then their their parents' killer actually ends up at- ends up adopting them, which is this kind of weird dynamic uh, because she has to almost suppress her feelings of anger and vengeance towards this person and at the very least pretend that she's okay with him, that she's obedient. Um, And uh, I can only imagine how traumatic and how awful that is. And for most people, when they have to suppress their anger and hatred, uh, it ends up leading to a number of um, other disorders it might lead to just kind of uh, aggression and irritability, or it might lead to anxiety disorders, for example, panic disorders. Uh, for her, she actually seems to handle herself really well, which is really interesting. She doesn't end up developing anything like that. And perhaps one of the reasons why is because she she's on a mission. She's on a mission to protect people, and she seems to put all of her energy, all of her hatred, into her training. She's an excellent fighter. She knows what she's doing, and I think she's so focused on her missions that that it becomes almost a protective factor in her not developing a mental health disorder.
0: Let's pivot to Nebula, who has a different reaction.
1: Right. Nebula has more of a chip on her shoulder. I think she is trying very hard to prove herself and her possibly, you know, possibly because she's lost her parents and possibly because maybe she fears abandonment or, or, or wants to prove herself is trying extremely, extremely hard to prove to Thanos and to other people that she's worthy. And she goes above and beyond to um, try to be a good soldier, to, uh, to try to prove herself. And I think that a lot of it comes from insecurities and from fear. And I don't necessarily think it's the fear for her own life. I think it's more fear of being rejected, fear of being not needed anymore, being seen as not important. And I think that that's maybe a motivating factor for her to, uh, to really prove herself to this person that murdered her family. <laughs>
0: It's actually, I think, worse than that because we have the scene with, between Thanos, Ronan, and Nebula where Thanos says, and you alienated the affections of my favorite daughter, and he's not talking about Nebula, and she's there listening to that crap. Mm-hmm. That, that's not a feel-good moment to go, so I'm no. not, I'm the one who's loyal, and you hate my guts?
1: And unfortunately, that happens a lot. It's, it happens in so many families too, right? The kid that's trying so hard to get the attention from the parents is might not be the one that's most liked. And that makes them try harder because it's almost the message, if I try hard enough, then maybe I'll win over the affection of, of these people. And uh she keeps on being hurt and maybe even compared to Gamora over and over and over again and only to be rejected and heartbroken yet again
0: remembering the lines that nebula has you know karen Gillian screams a lot you know there's a lot of yelling yes. on, on her part there's very little mm-hmm. conversational tone that comes out of her with the exception of a couple scenes and even then it's mostly right. barking orders which probably is a result of her internal anger
1: yeah, yeah. and i think that when people are so they feel so rejected, they might feel so unloved and rejected, especially when she's comparing herself to, uh, to Gamora, there's probably a lot of internal self anger, too. And I imagine that there's probably so much shame where she's maybe thinking, if only I was better, then maybe they would like me more. And I imagine that that level of shame is making her even more angry at herself than she's acting toward other people. The truth is, there's nothing more painful than shame and rejection. And I think that is what Nebula goes through every single
0: day. Let's talk about Quill, who's raised by ravengers, who apparently keep threatening to eat him, which has to be a crappy way to grow up and, and to live for 25 years. Uh, yeah. What What's your read on Quill? Because we have a character who has excellent memory of pop culture on Earth from his childhood. Uh And as a ladies' man who constantly thinks about his mom going so far not to open Mm -hmm. the final gift from her.
1: Yeah. I think uh, Quill is someone who appears to be very easygoing and like, you know, nothing can affect him. But I think what he's essentially doing is he's built walls. He's keeping people at a distance. I think that he probably struggles with vulnerability and intimacy. And I don't mean sexual intimacy. I mean getting close to people, trusting people. So I think that in a lot of ways, it's possible that having lost his mom affected him so much that maybe he doesn't want to get close to anyone else. And being threatened to be eaten his whole life maybe has taught him that if you get close to somebody, you might lose them. So it's possible that he's now developed this belief. And for that reason, he keeps his friends or his lovers at a distance. And after he gets close to somebody, he needs to leave and and run away from them because he can't handle that level of vulnerability. It's almost painful. And possibly it's for that reason that he can't open his mother's gift. It will open up too many old wounds that he's not ready to face until he opens himself up to, to his group. until so he, he makes that connection with Gamora and with Locket and with group. And,
0: and on that note, while he's unwilling to open the gift, he loves that Walkman. I mean, going so far to build yes. a tape deck for volume one so he could listen mm-hmm. to it. What's your read on that? Because that it seems like opposite behavior of, mm-hmm. of fear of losing something.
1: I think with him, it's almost like that's all he had, and that was safe back then. He already listened to it. He knew what was on it. That was his happy memory, his happy escape. So he can connect with that because nothing bad happened at that point. But then the gift, it might open up these wounds that he's not ready to deal with. He doesn't know what's in there. It might be something that's really upsetting, and I think he's not quite ready. I think the the first tape that he listens to is almost like a security blanket. It feels safe. It's okay. But the unknown, just like intimacy, just like vulnerability, is not.
0: But let's back up and remember that Volume 1 is pretty awesome.
1: Yes, it is. (laughs) Well, we have some awesome hits on there. I mean, cherry bomb for one. (laughs) You know,
0: it's hard not to smile whenever I Want You Back comes on. Of course, I'm hooked on the ceiling. Yeah, or Ain't No Mountain High Enough. What a wonderful <laughs> way to attend. And this is, yeah. a lot of people miss this, but both Winter Soldier and Guardians had Marvin Gaye songs in them. Right. Which is, and those I think are, are the two best Marvel movies to date so far. So I think the <laughs> secret ingredient is Marvin Gaye.
1: Oh, there you go. I think we just need to put Marvin Gaye in every single Marvel movie, and we'll be good.
0: Falcon was right. Falcon was right.
1: <laughs> Falcon is pretty amazing.
0: It's a fantastic character, and I, I – have you I seen – I want it? a
1: Falcon movie. I just want a Falcon movie. I've I, been dying for a Falcon movie. His
0: appearance in Ant-Man was exceptional. That was – I agree that made the movie for me because with Scott Lang fanboying out <laughs> fighting him and then the end with I don't tell cap it's like brilliant <laughs> that well, that and the actor obviously loves the role as well and they have two options and I don't know which they'll do uh, well I have my guess that if Steve Rogers dies at the end of Winter, uh, Civil War, in the comics, both uh, Bucky Barnes and and Falcon do become Captain America at different times. And right. they might throw a curveball and have Falcon do it. I don't know. Which
1: I think would be really cool.
0: Yeah. I, are you reading the current comics or have you seen with Falcon as Cap?
1: Um, I've read one issue of that a little while ago, but I'm not caught up. I'm not up to date.
0: Yeah. So when they relaunched Iron Man, being superior Iron Man, the new Thor, and Cap, uh, you know, I wasn't sure about Thor. I thought I would like Cap, and and Iron Man I thought was fantastic. Uh, I had the the opposite actually happens. I really loved the new Thor. I thought Jason Aaron did a good job, and I really mm-hmm. didn't like. Uh, Captain America because they mess up on the continuity in the first issue. And I thought this costume was dumb from having this mix of Falcon and cap into one flying with a shield on your arm is not aerodynamic. It's right. um, I'd prefer him just being cap. So that's my, that's why I didn't care for it, but that's not important, but I love the actor and if they have him be the next cap, I'd be totally down with that. If they have... I prefer Bucky just from a hero's journey point of view. Yeah,
1: that would be really cool. Um, I definitely want to see... Either way, I just want to see more Falcon. He's such a... It was fantastic. And that was probably one of the
0: best scenes in Ant-Man and probably the best cameo of one character in another movie.
1: I agree completely. That was definitely my favorite part of Ant-Man. And I, I really hope that they incorporate him more in Civil War. And I, I, ideally, I want a separate Falcon movie if possible. Do
0: you have any thoughts on Bucky and what we might see next year? Mm-hmm. Because here's a character who bad things happen at the end of World War II. Yeah. He's put on ice, experimented on, and then used to assassinate people for seven decades.
1: Yeah. I don't know what we can expect from him in the movies. I think if he was someone I was seeing in therapy, he would be someone that would need extended individual treatment based on all the trauma that he's overcome. This is somebody that was initially brought up to be a hero and then had to inflict numerous moral injuries to himself by doing the opposite of what he was brought up to do. And there's nothing more damaging to somebody's identity than doing the opposite of their moral stance. And in the military, in in psychology, this is called moral injury. And it is the number one cause of PTSD when people do the opposite of what they morally believe to be valid. And for Bucky, I think he's someone that would need a pretty extended therapy to overcome that.
0: That and you would be very helpful on the stand in being able to show the insanity of defense because I think we could defend him and validate him from, uh, from being prosecuted because of what happened to him. But that's.
1: Yeah, I really don't think he was aware of what he was doing. He didn't know right from wrong at that time.
0: Well, you also have the electric shock therapy treatments after each mission and obvious uh, memory loss that had happened to him or blocked whatever direction they go so i mean as as an attorney we could protect him we we could we could that that case but we would need right expert witnesses like you to help with that
1: sure
0: so that being said let's let's pivot back to guardians because there's one character who i think is probably the emotional core of the film who doesn't have any trauma and that's Groot.
1: Sure. I love Groot.
0: A talking tree and a raccoon made people cry. I <laughs> Again, give James Gunn a medal. That's well done. <laughs> but your thoughts on Groot?
1: I think Groot is the ultimate symbol of compassion and loyalty. He is such a wonderful friend. Um, He goes above and beyond to protect and support his friends. He seems to always understand what his friends, especially Rocket, what they need. And in that scene where he sacrifices himself to save everyone else and he says, we are grouped, that is the ultimate compassion message. So to break it up, compassion has several components. So the first component of compassion is recognizing the suffering of another person. So Groot is definitely recognizing that other people are suffering, that that raccoon is suffering, that uh, that other the quill and more that other ones that are suffering. The other component of compassion is something called common humanity, which is recognizing that we're not alone. We're in this together. And this is when he says, we are Groot, like we in this, we're in this together. And this is where I started bawling because it was such a beautiful message. And then finally, the last component of compassion is actually doing something to help the individuals that are suffering, which he does. He, he protects them throughout the movie. And then at the end, when he sacrifices himself, which is not only compassion, but also altruism, or we would call it heroism. So he acts in a very heroic manner and also a very compassionate manner. And I think it's one of the biggest heroes of the film.
0: No question there. He, he's he's definitely the emotional core, holds people together. No, he's the one who fished Drax out of the tank after Drax yep. caused a horrific amount of damage that results in people being captured, people being killed. And there's a, lo- yep. a lot that's on Drax's fault. And he fishes him out and resuscitates him.
1: That shows his nature, his very compassionate nature. He recognizes that Jax is suffering and he's able to rescue him anyway. Maybe he's not happy about the way Jax acted, but he's still able to support him as an individual, as somebody that's going through a hard time. And that shows Groot's nature, his very loving, very compassionate nature.
0: Well, that and the entire scene that follows with Rocket saying, We all got dead people. Groot is actually offended and mortified in in reaction and uh, granted I do think Rocket has the right argument with the trick is don't make everyone else dead right just because you have trauma don't inflict suffering on on others which is Mm -hmm. I think a good point but that entire scene between the two of them despite the fact you only have one character who can say three words is brilliant so yes it is so powerful Exactly. So any other lasting thoughts from Guardians that you could share with us?
1: Oh, man, just great movie. Great, great movie. And I think what a great way to show how people working together, no matter what they come from, no matter their background, no matter what they've been through, just a few people or or a few individuals can make a really big difference and can potentially save an entire galaxy. And I think it's such a great message for our viewers, right? For, for anyone that went to see it, because so often we might think that we don't matter. I'm just one person who cares what I do. Well, one person is all it might take to make a really big difference or, you know, just a few of those individuals might be all it takes to save an entire planet. And I think guardians really showed that in a really light way, but also a really powerful way. Well,
0: that and. Is- it highlights trust because Quill yeah. calling, you know, the the Nova officer who arrested him, you know, with a warning, and John C. Riley believing yeah. him. Yeah, I still love the exchange between he and Glenn Close, but that's uh, yeah. brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. So, well done, extremely well done. With that, how can our listeners uh, find out more about you? How can they follow you on Twitter and and read your material?
1: So I'm on Twitter. I'm at Shadow Quill. Quill kind of like the character from Guardians. Um, My website is superhero-therapy.com, and it has my email information. You can contact me through the website as well. Um, So it's probably the best way to get in touch with me.
0: Fantastic. Well, doctor, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Uh, One day we might actually present together at something. So this is uh, truly an honor to, to have you with us today to talk about mental health and Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: It would be fantastic to present with you. And thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. And America, stay geeky. Stay geeky, America.